Hi, it's Christian Mater from Out to Lunch Acadiana. I'm looking forward to inviting people to have lunch with me again soon. Until it's safe to do that, let's revisit this conversation from pre-COVID days. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From the French Press in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. Here's a cliche. Why hire a photographer when a phone can do the job? That was the conventional wisdom 13 years ago when the iPhone debuted. And since then, the lenses have gotten better and people have started making millions taking pictures of their lives on Instagram. But the professional photographer never went obsolete as predicted. And that's because there are plenty of circumstances that require a professional touch. Weddings, portraits, magazine features, and even the intimacy of the bedroom. And that doesn't mean making a living behind the camera isn't a hustle. Success in photography takes relentless self-promotion, uh, creativity, and, and maybe a little luck. My guests today both have left steady jobs to hoof it as freelance photographers. Uh, April Corville got a master's in marketing and wound up in Minnesota after school where she fell into boudoir photography, which are intimate, seductive portraits taken for romance or personal empowerment. April worked in marketing when she moved back to Lafayette, and she's built a big enough book of business to strike out on her own uh, with A. Danette Photography. Today, her business draws clientele from around the state. April, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Paul Q. detoured into photography while on a path toward law school. Uh, taking pictures was a hobby until he figured out he could get paid to do it, and he stuck with it after graduating from UL with a degree in political science. He worked as a photojournalist for the Daily Advertiser for several years until leaving to work on his own. And Paul's work captures Acadiana's boucheries, festivals, and celebrations in vivid detail. And you can find his photos in several local and regional publications. Paul, welcome to Alta. Thank you for having me, Christian. So, April, um, you know, sexuality isn't quite so taboo or private like it used to be, right? Um, still, I imagine that checking the boudoir photographer uh, box, if there is such a thing, on a tax form might raise an eyebrow or two. Um, People aren't necessarily that woke everywhere. Um, yeah, how do you differentiate what you do from what, say, the uninformed might expect? I mean, do you still run into people who hear your work and think, okay, well, that sounds like objectifying or provocative to me? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you had mentioned that I started the company and doing boudoir photography in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is a larger market than here in South Louisiana. Um, so it was a bit of an adjustment whenever I did come back because, you know, it's still slightly more uh, conservative in this area. And so whenever, I, even today, still I get people that are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm, I have to explain to them what boudoir photography is. Or if they already know, I kind of get the look of like the disapproving grandmother, you know, <laughs> they're like, oh, that. Um, How do you usually explain it to them? Um, I empower women and help women feel better about their own bodies through the art of photography. Um, 
And there's a there's a kind of a big question about like what defines boudoir photography, like what makes it boudoir and what makes it something else. Um, and I kind of subscribe to the thought that it's really whatever makes you feel good, you know. Um, some people in a lot of photography forums and groups that I'm in, you know, will share images of a woman in a pair of cute shorts and a tank top. And they're like, that's not boudoir. And I'm like, well, but why not? You know, my whole purpose is if a woman has been through something that she feels like she came out on the other side of, maybe it's a divorce or an addiction or cancer or an abusive relationship or something like that. If she has fought those battles and she came out on the other side and she wants to celebrate it, then who cares what it's called, you know? That's interesting. So, so my first thought, and I imagine that would be the same for a lot of people, is that you hear boudoir photography and think it's about something that, you know, uh, a woman or um, a partner might do for them for their partner, right? right? Like, I'm going to get these pictures of myself, you know, as, as a matter of a romantic gift for somebody else. But it sounds like you find that people do this not necessarily for their partner, whoever they may, they may, that may be, but, but rather take the photos for themselves. You know, it, a lot of times the idea starts out that way. You know, you have an anniversary coming up or you're getting married or your husband is celebrating a milestone birthday. And it, it starts out as the planting of the seed, the idea. Uh, but once they kind of do some exploration they realize well you know I have lost a lot of weight or I'm about to turn 50 or our kids are out of the house you know there's there's a much deeper level uh, and a more personal level than just the the gift for the guy ends up just being kind of like icing on the cake hmm. so I feel like you know for myself like anytime I get my picture taken period right <laughs> regardless of if I'm you know doing it to be sensual you know, I might be, uh, I might see a picture of myself and say, you know, I don't look that good. I find all the things that are sort of wrong with me. And so, uh -huh. so how is it that getting a photo of myself in such like an intimate way is something that I might look at and say, this makes me feel very powerful or very good about myself. How, how does that work? Um, <laughs> well, I, I was telling a friend yesterday, I'd, I kind of want to start changing my title to a photographer slash therapist <laughs> because I get to know my clients on a really intimate level and there's a level of trust there and I think Paul could probably relate to that too if you're a photographer to be a good photographer you have to get your clients to trust you um, so it's really about the whole experience I mean from the time that they book their session and reach out we walk them through the entire process so when they show up for their shoot day they're ready. They might be nervous and kind of scared, but they know that they're in good hands. And a lot of times, you know, a woman, maybe the day before her shoot will text and be like, oh my God, I just, I don't know what to wear. I, I have all these outfits and nothing fits right. And I, I, should I bring this, you know? And I'm like, just bring it all. Like, we'll, we'll go through it. And they're like, okay, I trust you. I'll just let you do your thing. And like, that's a, that's a big compliment for, for me as a photographer because they trust me and I don't take that lightly. So I guess to, to answer your question is it's, it's definitely that, that trust and the ability for them to be vulnerable. Uh, it's a very vulnerable thing, boudoir photography, um, but we assure them by kind of walking them and holding their hand the entire time so that when they're in the studio and they're in front of the camera, 
they know, they already know that what is going to come out is going to be good. And actually, I had a client the other day who came and the whole reason why she wanted to do it is she was like, you know, I'm a very modest person. I don't see myself as this sexy woman and I want to, I want to be bold. I want to feel more like a sensual being. I want to feel like a woman. And when she saw her images, she looked like a sexy woman and she was having like a really hard time dealing with it. She was like, oh my God, I can't believe that's me. Like, this is so weird. She, she wasn't comfortable with it. And I kind of had to stop and say, okay, isn't, it is okay for you to look at pictures of yourself and think that's hot. Um, to Paul, um, you left, I would say steady work and I'm using scary steady, steady work in journalism. Yeah. Right. Um, I can speak to that. And it, and it seems like that's kind of worked out for you. Um, yeah. But but was your decision to leave, you know, the grind of the daily newspaper, was that because you kind of saw the writing on the wall and you were like, you know what, this isn't going to work out for newspapers long term? Or was it, no, you know, I want something that working in a newspaper can't offer me. So uh, everything started converging at one point. In, uh, you know, my, my life, everything just started coming together. At that one point, in, at the end of 2015, I saw where the industry was going. Um, I felt like I could probably do better financially, uh, you know, and that's just a fact of uh, reality in the journalism industry. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very taxing industry to uh, to work in full time. So, uh, you know, with the way the industry was going, the way my life was going, my mom had just had a stroke about the year about a year before I um, I left the paper. So I, I decided, you know, maybe if if I'm going to be stressed, it's going to be on my own terms. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it was something I decided to take in my own hands, and uh, here we are, uh, a little over four years later, and things are do- going all right. So you you've been able to make more money freelance than you did as a newspaper photographer? Yeah, I've been, uh, been able to live decently comfortable and, you know, afford the things I need to, but like everybody else, we could always uh, stand up, <laughs> do a little better. Uh, we, we, uh, it, it's, it's a fun industry to be in, and first and foremost, like, the, uh, it's, it's just something that absolutely, um, you know, I'm completely passionate about. It's, you know, something I wake up and go to sleep about uh, thinking about every day. So for the past 10 years, that's all I've thought about. And to have that as my job, that's, uh, that's the main priority for me. So it's, it's been pretty good since then. So, you know, you, you went from sort of shooting whatever, and it seems like you've kind of come to specialize maybe more in, you know, cultural events. I mean, I've seen a lot of your work uh, around, you know, boucheries. It seems like you've, you've frankly, have kind of embedded yourself in sort yeah. of the, the neo-Cajun culture yeah, that's ju- out there. Just just a little, like, through, through my work, I've been able to make, like, a lot of very good friends and a lot of people who I consider family, even, um, you know, through through my work in the Cajun Creole community. And so to, to witness all of that stuff, it's stuff that I was adjacent to uh, whenever I was growing up, but it's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing for the first time or s- stuff that's still relatively new to me. So it's very educational for me on a personal level and to... Uh, be exposed to you know boucheries or career de Mardi Gras. It's uh, it's been a very educational process for me, uh, and it's very fulfilling to um, you know make friends, uh, make genuine connections with people in the field, and uh, build a rapport with the community. And uh, through my work, you know, see Louisiana like I hadn't maybe seen it before. Yeah, who are you shooting for? I mean, like it feels like there's a lot of these. You know, I mean, 
every Mardi Gras season, I'm sure this sure. place just sort of get flooded over with <laughs> magazine photographers that just uh-huh. like, want to see the real Louisiana. I yeah. mean, like, who are you taking these pictures for? It's fu- funny enough, uh, the real Louisiana, th- this past weekend, I-, I was on the road for four days, and, and I actually shot for uh, Louisiana Travel, the uh, State Tourism Bureau. So, uh, you know, that, that, was a, that was a pretty fun weekend, and, you know, they, uh, the client I was working for, they, they gave me full reign. That's a dream a, a dream assignment to have uh, somebody trust you with that uh, that much. Do you um, see like people getting? I don't. I hate to put it in these terms, but like tired of it. I mean, like is there just like a never-ending market for Mardi Gras photos for you know like pictures <laughs> of you know uh, you know somebody like chasing up a, a pig? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I see them every year, and we're like you know for the the publication, yeah. right? We publish them, and it's like sometimes I think like. Who really wants to see this stuff? Right. Like, yeah. wh- why are we? You know, but, but it never seems to stop. Yeah, I think for for us around here, it's it's stuff, especially in our in our friend circles, stuff that we often see a lot, especially on social media. But um, it's still to the world at large. Cajun culture is is uh, semi mysterious. You know, a lot of people here in Louisiana, they just think of Bourbon Street, they think of Mardi Gras in New Orleans, but. Uh, Cajun culture, Creole culture, uh, just in general in uh, South Louisiana, it's it's something that. Um, people are really starting to wake up to and I think that I'm just a small part but uh, like it, it's it's cool being a, a part of uh, exposing that culture to a, a greater audience so April I'm kind of curious you were in marketing before right mm-hmm. so like put your marketing hat on for a second and tell me how you go about marketing this business in this market like going out and say like <laughs> I am going you know to strike out with my new uh, boudoir photography business and I'm going to go find clientele and I'm going to put my wares in the marketplace how did you do that <laughs> I find that the more I get to meet people face to face the more they realize that I'm not this like scary monster person <laughs> was that a real concern <laughs> well, a, a lot of people are like oh you know I've been on the fence but now that I've met you they're like you're you're just like the, yeah. this awkward nerdy girl <laughs> and I'm like so, so yeah is it, is it mostly word of mouth like people are saying you know, I did this shoot you you know you should really consider it I think you'd enjoy it so and here's the person or, or is it something that like you know, somebody's going to Google and you're going to have, you know, uh, well, it's, it's a lot of those things. It's definitely a mix. Um, I don't, as a marketer, I don't want all of my clientele to come from one stream. Um, because if that stream dries up, then I'm kind of out of luck. So, uh, it's a mix of, you know, I work really hard on my SEO. So I build my website so that, you know, it comes up top of page if somebody searches for a boudoir photographer uh, I run Facebook ads I send out email campaigns I have a VIP Facebook group that uh, you know either current clients past clients or potential future clients can kind of just support each other and get feedback from different images and testimonials stuff like that Uh, referrals are definitely a big part of it and then events in person too seem to work really well because once they see like the albums and the products and what the finished item actually looks like they're you know it's like oh wow these are really gorgeous um so it's a it's a mix yeah i mean paul's kind of maybe bring you in a little bit on this conversation right i mean this is not a you're obviously not doing boudoir photography. Maybe after this conversation, <laughs> you'll get into it. Maybe but, I'll try um, it out. Yeah, yeah um, but, I have April's number. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, but I mean, look. I mean, photography. Whether you're competing with people who think like, sure. all right, I can take my own pictures at my wedding. But I mean, it's 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 a it's a challenging market. I would think there's a lot of photographers out there. Yeah. I mean, so how are you out there separating, you know, what Paul Q does versus mm-hmm. somebody else? So it's. it's 
like like April said, it's all about building relationships in the community. And uh, in the age of social media, I think I think it's a, a lot more imperative now to even have your own style and to have your own twist on things. Yeah. Uh, so I think I've done a decent job with that over What's the past your twist? ten years. Um, I don't know, just just hyper, de- like as you you described it earlier, hyper detailed, um, just photos of the culture in Louisiana and making sure that people understand that. Uh, where I'm coming from as a photojournalist is somebody who like wants to show you uh, this window into this uh, this this magical culture that you know I get to see every day. But you know maybe you might not get to see it every day, but you know you should come check it out. So uh, for for me, I just want to show the world what I see, and I think uh, the differentiating part for me is that uh, you know uh, there, there's there's a lot of people who shoot the same style as I do who are even better than I am. At this type of work in this area, uh, but I think for me, it's just like you know ma- maintaining those relationships and understand uh, people understanding uh, my reputation in the community uh, goes with the images like they're one and the same. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with freelancer Paul Q and boudoir photographer April Corville. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with freelancer Paul Q and boudoir photographer April Corville. Um, okay, so we're going to switch gears a little bit, um, and um, this is a, a segment that we're going to call Do As I Say, <laughs> Not As I Do. So I think anybody who works in any sort of like profession, when you're talking sure. shop, people say like, here's, give me a piece of advice. How do I get started? Right. And you might give them a piece of advice that you don't yourself take. So I'll give you an example. We've never done this one before. I'll give you an example. Like people say like, okay, well, Christian, I'd like to become a writer. And I say, well, you know, good writers, they read a lot and I don't read that much. Right. I mean, so, so what's a good piece of advice in your industry, right, that you struggle to follow yourself? Just, April, can we start with oh, you? Oh, God. I'm so, do not want to admit this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they say whenever, you, whenever you're starting out as a professional photographer, they tell you to shoot everything. Shoot everything. Get behind the camera. Shoot. And I'm, I'm like... Nah, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I I like to shoot, uh, you know, like I'll do personal projects and stuff, you know, like yeah. to just to kind of think outside the box a little bit, maybe like try a new lens or like try a new lighting technique or something like that. But I definitely don't push my creative zone and get out of that like little comfort zone as much as they say you should do. So, so you kind of focus on the things that you like and maybe hone in on that subject matter rather than kind of getting out there and being a shutter bug. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more along the thought process of like get really good at like what you're doing and be a badass at it, you know, instead of like just kind of being meter- mediocre at all these things. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Paul, what about you? What's a, what's a piece of advice that you give people that you don't take? Uh, to always be prepared for any situation, okay. which uh, I, I think at this point I'm pretty decent at winging it. And if uh, any commercial clients of mine are listening, uh, I'm always prepared for your photo shoots. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, it's uh, with, with photojournalism, uh, you kind of have to learn to roll with the punches. Like you know, something might not go your way the very last second, and you just have to be prepared for any sort of situation that might arise so that's why my car is just filled with stuff that I might be able to use Uh, I kind of look like a hoarder sometimes but uh, for for the most part yeah being prepared is uh, one of the most important things you could do as a photojournalist but oftentimes I'm just found winging it and just like you know shrugging my shoulders and trying to figure it out on the situation but uh, I think 
I've done it long enough that I can uh, pretty, be pretty comfortable doing that. So did you get that? So I read that you were an Eagle Scout. Yeah. So did you get that from yeah. the Boy Scouts? Yeah, it's actually, be prepared? It's, it's actually something that, that was instilled in me from an early age that uh, you know, I should probably practice a lot better. Did your Scout Master say, like, Paul, you're you're pretty prepared but you're not quite prepared enough you know was, you, was that your uh, he's like oh you could have packed this and that yeah uh, uh, a little bit more a few more matches this time you know it's uh it's uh it, it's it's always a fun thing to um to understand that uh i've been doing it for a long time at least in the grand scheme of my life yeah it's uh it's been a third of my life that i've been doing photography so it's a uh it's something that i, I feel comfortable knowing that uh, if a situation arrives i can handle it um, so that's uh, that, that's part of being prepared, mentally at least. Do you guys feel like it's gotten more challenging to become a photographer in this market, or maybe generally, like if, if I were, if I said, look, guys, I really want to do this, like after this meeting, I mean, would you say, you know, Christian, there's enough of us out here already, or or would or, or do you feel like, you know, there there's there is room in you know in the marketplace for, for more people to try this in Lafayette. So I've seen um, it, it has ebbed and flowed because whenever, like I remember whenever I was kind of like just leaving college and that shift from film to digital happened and everybody had those little point and shoot cameras, uh, the need for photographers, for professional photographers went way down because everybody had a digital camera. And so everybody wanted to be a photographer. So there was like that challenge. And then they kind of went obsolete because the iPhone came in. But then, so then at that point, there was a shift where photographers kind of came back up into play because nobody was using those point and shoots anymore. And the cameras and the phones were like, okay, but not great. Uh, but then whenever the cameras became better in the iPhones, the need for photo photographers went back down. But then I'm seeing recently, probably, especially like in the past like year or so with like the rise of Instagram and everything is curated, the need, we, we are so conditioned to see expertly curated images that the need for professional photographers has actually gone up again. So it's, it's been like a wave of ebbing and flowing, kind of just depending on what technology yeah, does. I've been, I've been, I've noticed that like you get these Instagram influencer accounts, and I've known some local photographers who've been like hired to use like legit professional cameras to go and shoot somebody's Instagram account, right? Like we have this image that it's really oh well the iPhone's doing it, but when you see a lot of these sort of influencer accounts or whatever, how social media has changed it in a lot of ways. To your point, it seems like photographers are getting work now to make the stuff look right on Instagram. I mean, Paul, have you ever been asked? to be an influencer's photographer? Um, not specifically, uh, and, you know, and, and there's nothing I have against that. It's just uh, something I haven't been asked to do yet. Okay. So if anybody's listening, you know, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> I can make, your, I can make your, uh, your your daily occasions look, look yeah. very cool. Yeah. Uh, so no, uh, I Yes, I also like to shoot fashion for anyone that... Uh, there we go. <laughs> so I, no, I haven't been asked to do that, but it's uh, it's been an interesting evolution. Uh, I follow a lot of younger photographers on Instagram from the area, and, um, you know, there's never... There's never a better time to be a photographer than the present, and you know the technology is here. Uh, you know the, the, the technology and the, uh, the, the the apps and everything, the cameras uh, that we have available at our disposal. Um, that's not the hurdle anymore. So uh, it, it's it's on us to uh, separate ourselves from the pack uh, as far as you know what we bring to the table, um, how we communicate with our clients, and how we 
uh, how we photograph the world. So, uh, you know, the tools are there, and it's really fun to see people who are in my shoes that, uh, you know, who who are who are where I was 10 years ago, um, you know, see, coming up and everything. It's, it's really fun to see people like, really evolving as the technology evolves with them. Do you guys feel like there's this, this sort of a natural ceiling of where you guys can go with this here? I mean, or, or do, you, do you feel like there's a point where you're going to reach where you have to say to yourself, well, I need to get, I need to move to, to achieve what I want in my career? Sometimes I feel that, but like, you know, I, I, I haven't found it yet. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's cool. This is, uh, Louisiana, there, there's a lot of stuff for me to cover, especially the type of photography I do. And it's just a rich, like target rich environment over here for me. And um, I feel very fortunate to be, uh, you know, documentary style photographer in Louisiana. So uh, I haven't found that ceiling just yet. Uh, maybe I'll get there, maybe not. But, uh, you know, I, I really love living here. I love growing, in, growing up in the state and, you know, growing up through photography in the state. And um, so I haven't found the ceiling yet. So I'll yeah. let you know if I find it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, April, it, it, my, I understand it. Like you're able to, to actually, you're drawing clients in from sort of the region, right? I mean, do you feel like, you know, the ceiling is pretty high for what you can accomplish here in terms of like what your ambitions are as far as being a boudoir photographer? Uh, yeah, I think it's there. I'm definitely not the first boudoir photographer in the area and I'm not going to be the last. So, um, there have been other photographers, you know, there was one out of Baton Rouge that was operating a huge, um, operation that was a boudoir photographer and she was doing amazing things. Um, and she's, she's not around anymore, not because the business didn't succeed, but she, like, decided to pursue something else. Um, you know, so other photographers in the area that are doing what I'm doing are having a fine time staying booked. And I think that the, the good thing is that because there aren't a ton of us, you know, I, I draw clients in from Alexandria, Lake Charles, Beaumont, Baton Rouge. Um, so it's, if it were just Lafayette, maybe, but, um, yeah, people come from, from all over. No matter how the technology changes, you can't totally disrupt the role of talent in skilled and creative jobs like photography. Maybe everybody can do it, but that doesn't mean that everybody can do it well. Uh, Paul and April, you both show that a professional and personal touch aren't likely to go obsolete anytime soon. It's been great talking with both of you. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. Thank you for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been photographers Paul Q and April Corville. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Travis Goche. You can find more of his work at zoomphotostudio.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morrell. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researchers are Ann Christian and Maggie Mendel. Today's show is engineered by Kieran McIntosh. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's community-owned nonprofit newsroom. For more great stories and conversation, check out thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you again next week at the French Press in sunny downtown Lafayette for more of the ins and outs and ups and downs of Acadiana business on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Until then, take care.
Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.